0: Right now, it is my great pleasure to introduce to you a pastor who's going to be speaking today. Such a fun rotation we have going on right now. Uh, This is a man who has been connected with the starting senior pastor. He was very connected to Pastor Ron Johnson, but also Senior Ron Johnson, Bishop. If you knew him, you loved him. Um, He has a deep heart for loving the people of God, for marriage ministry, and men in particular that he's helped call up and make changes in his life. Someone that has such a heart for you, but he's been loved and won by the heart of God. And it comes out, you know it when you talk to him, uh, when you spend any time with him. And uh, he's, he feels like he's got a great word to share with you this morning. He and his wife, Terry, lead our marriage ministry here. Would you please give it up for Pastor Jerry as he comes up to share what's going on? Good morning. Good morning. I'm usually sleeping right now. <laughs> but, but, you know, when you got to get up in front of the whole church, it uh, kind of interrupts your sleep a little bit, so. I got, I, I'm, I'm prepared. I got up at like a one o'clock this morning, so tossed and turned and, you know, all that stuff, and dealt with the stomach cramps, and <laughs> like my wife made me breakfast, I'm like, I can't eat that. <laughs> it, it's, it's sitting in my office right now, so I'll be in cold oatmeal after the service. So I felt it would be fitting for me to tell you a little about, a bit about myself for my first opportunity to get up in front of the the body of Christ here at Living Stones. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my story and for some of you, it'd be like, why is he telling us that? But I have a purpose behind all this, okay? Because, can you bring up that slide? Well, there it is. Nope, it's on the back screen. It's about the journey, not the destination. And, and I picked that for a reason. Because you know when you're, a, when you're a child, you have all these dreams and aspirations about when I get older, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do all these things. But the problem is to get from that, to be that child to that, there's a journey, right? And in that journey, there's preparation in that journey. So, I was recently asked this question. And when I was asked, they were, the person that asked me was kind of mocking me. Um, They asked me, how did you become a pastor? (laughs) And then they started to laugh at me. And, uh make a few jokes, start doing this stuff to me. My cousins, you know what I'm saying? But see, what they don't see or they didn't see was the journey. How God took me from that broken young man to who I am today. Wasn't easy. But it was worth it. Can you bring up that first scripture? It says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. And the reason I use that scripture is because what we got, what we got to establish right from the beginning is we're all sinners, right? When I came into this earth... I was a sinner because if we don't have that as our foundation of truth our relationship with God means absolutely nothing nothing at all because then we're operating out of our righteousness not his righteousness because there'll be a time where you have to look into somebody else's life and you can't judge it because of your righteousness you have to judge it because of his righteousness. Because you'll disqualify yourself from the very call that's on your life. So, I'm gonna start with a little bit about my childhood. I'm gonna make it brief, I'm not gonna stay there, but I feel I have to set this foundation for uh, you to understand how I got here. I was born into a normal family with a loving father and a loving mother Me, I have an older sister. We're actually born on the exact same day. I was her birthday present. (laughs) And I remind her every year that I was her birthday present. She's here right now. So, but it didn't take long before the enemy divided my household. Okay? I was probably... I don't know exactly, two or three years old, uh, when my parents were no longer married. So what he created was a big void in my life. Because a father, because you gotta understand the heart of who God created me to be is to be a father. So my father was gone. My mother was a, is a great woman. She is a great woman. She's a hardworking woman. My mother did everything to make sure that me and my sister had a good life. She never let us down. She sacrificed her life for our life. And, And I'm indebted to her for that. I honor her for that. My father moved on. He got another wife, another life. And I'm not saying, I don't want to dishonor my father here. My father did love me. I know that he loved me. But he didn't know how to love me. He didn't know that leaving would be, affect the foundation of who I was my whole childhood and through my adolescent years. I never played baseball with my dad. I never went fishing with my dad. You gotta think of all the things you miss when you're absent. Because I, you I want you as a congregation to think about this because you can be in your home and you be just as absent. I never, ever had a conversation with my dad about any life circumstances. Like, you know, you would go to your parents and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know what would happen if I did this? I never had them conversations. My relationship with my dad involved the work. That was our common bond work. I worked for my dad. Even when I would go visit my dad on the weekends, I worked with my dad, side by side. My dad taught me to be a very Diligent worker, a very hard worker. How to how to stand up and he didn't. He's like, there is no handouts. I'm going to teach you how to be a worker, okay? But he never taught me how to be a man. And in the why he couldn't do that is because he didn't have that person in his life my dad never drank never did drugs he wasn't that type of father my dad was the byproduct the uh, the opposite of his father understand what i'm saying my dad got wounded as a young boy by his father which caused him to act in the another way make vows in his heart that I'm not never gonna be like that man I'm not gonna do the things that my father did so that was his driving force but again it left a big gaping hole so it didn't take long I gotta watch my time it didn't take long before other influences came into my life okay my mom had to work she had to support her family So I started just hanging out, wasn't long before I started hanging out with other kids that were from broken homes, that started doing things that uh, you shouldn't do because of a sinful nature that I had and uh, I'm not proud of it, but started doing, smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol in elementary school. Elementary school. Started hanging out with kids or doing criminal activity. And you know, sometimes you become guilty by association. So it wasn't long before I looked like I was as guilty as guilty could be. And some of the stuff I did participate in Voluntarily. But I really feel like if I would have had a father to spend my time with and do things with, the case may have been different, okay? So, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. It wasn't long Before, uh, well, let me share this part first. There would be situations in my life where my grandmother and my mother would have conversations about my father. And you could imagine that they probably weren't too fond of him. All right. So I would be a young boy sitting in the back seat, listening to these conversations, thinking they are so wrong. He's a great person. He's all this. Because there's this connection. There's this connection between a father and son. My dad could have been a serial killer, but I'd have still loved him. I would have did anything for him. And it was so weird. It was so weird how draw, I was drawn into this relationship that was just so dysfunctional. It was just dysfunctional. But I wanted to be with him. So I would, like I said, I got to go there on the weekends and, and if the only thing I got to do with him was work with him, then that was good enough for me, okay? He, he liked old cars, he was always into old cars. He had this, a little tea bucket, if anybody knows what that is. But had these little skinny tires on the front of it. And when I'd go there on the weekend, I'd get this little bicycle pump and I'd pump the tires up so when he got off work, we could go for a ride. So we'd cruise the drag, and if anybody knows what cruising the drag is, (laughs) the younger generation probably don't know what that means, but but man, I just, I felt like, man, there's my dad, and there's me just cruising, you know, it was just so great. So I got this opportunity because my sin had become so great in my home, my dad looked like the like an exit, all right? My dad was like, why don't you come stay with me? Or first it was, Let me, why don't you stay the summer with me? So my dad took me to work with him every day and I got a paycheck. I literally had my first job, first job, scraping concrete forms, throwing them on a the p- truck, moving them down the road, throwing them back off, picking them up, scraping them, moving them down the road, throwing them back off. I'd get my friends to come. I'd say, hey, my dad will give you a job. They'd work one day. That's too hard for me. <laughs> I, I, can, I, can't do, I can't do that. So I got the opportunity to move in with my dad. Like my dreams came true, all right? I move in, broke my mom's heart, broke my mom's heart. Um... I thought, man, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But morality came crashing down when I realized it was like a labor camp. <laughs> we lived in a house that didn't even have a furnace and I was the wood chopper. <laughs> so we cut down our own trees We didn't have a wood splitter, we had an axe and a sledgehammer and a maul. So, that was my responsibility. The lawn became my responsibility, the snow became my responsibility, the waxing and washing of the car became my responsibility. So, I felt like I was a Hebrew slave. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite the experience. And then I, the realization was that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But my dad let me do whatever I wanted. He's like, hey, he let me smoke cigarettes when I was, 15. no, I wasn't even 15. I was probably 11. He says, I'd rather you smoke in front of me than burn the house down. Kind of a bad theology, huh? (laughs) But he smoked, so. Matter of fact, after he told me I could smoke, I said, give me one of your cigarettes then. And I smoked it. I don't smoke no more. I've been free for 25 years, thank God. (laughs) So, I say all this to say I needed a father. I didn't need a friend. I didn't, I, he did the best he could, but the role of a father is much bigger than that. I really needed somebody to teach me moral values and godly things. You know, like we don't do these things. Yeah, he had a moral compass that was his. But there's a greater purpose for life than just everyday responsibilities. There's a greater call in life because his examples, based on the way my life unfolded as a child, set the stage for my future, in my relationship with my children, in my marriage, and all these things. So I'm gonna fast forward to um, later on in life. We'll say, I think I was in my early 20s. In my early 20s. In my early 20s, uh, my addictions became my lifestyle. So my friends, all my friends were addicts. We're functional. We all had jobs because we had to support our addictions. So we would, you know, live the living for the weekend. All right. Because it's progressive. Understand? Addiction has a progression. And and when you you look at me and you think, well, he was an addict. Why, Why was he an addict? My addiction was to cover up the pain and the voids in my life. So think about it this way. It's like when somebody hurts you, what do you do? You either fight or it's flight, right? In most cases, people go and hide. They get away from the the circumstance or situation. My addiction was a place to hide. It's a place that I didn't have to feel the emotions of the pain or the voids in my life So I hid there, and I knew how to operate there. I knew how to function there. It felt safe. As crazy as it sounds, I could feel nothing. No pain, no emptiness, no abandonment, none of that. But you can't sustain that, you know what I mean? There's an enemy at play that is all-consuming, means he wants to take you out in your addiction. You know, I would like to say all my friends made it through, but they didn't. A lot of them died from the addiction. So, my addiction is what brought me to Christ. So in that journey, yeah, I regret what I did and what I participated in. But in the journey of my life, it brought me to our Savior. So fast forward to when I was 28 years old. I worked for my dad every day. He signed me out of high school when I was 15 years old. 15 years old, you want to work you want to go to school? I said, I want to work, Dad. That was a, one of the worst decisions I ever made in my life. I would never, ever, ever recommend you not get an education. I've struggled with, with that decision and the consequences of that decision since I made that decision. So I'm not condoning that in any shape or form. So I dropped out of school and um, 28 years old, got up one day, looked at my dad and he was yellow, literally yellow almost as yellow as this lady's shirt right here on the second row. His eyeballs were yellow, everything. Went to the doctor, he had pancreatic cancer. And we're talking 30, 30 years ago. So you know that was a death sentence 30 years ago. So they went in, they tried to operate, was inoperable. So, it was chemotherapy, radiation appointments, and I watched... <laughs> I watched the strongest man <laughs> that I knew fade away with no hope, just held his head down. I looked at him as like a... like indestructible growing up. But I watched him just fade away. But God is so graceful. God is so graceful. uh, They took my dad to this little Pentecostal church and they prayed for him for healing. But the Lord decided to take my dad home. And that's all right. Now I could say it's all right, but at the time I didn't think it was. Thought it was unfair. It made me angry. It made me think that God was a terrible person. Now I understand. Now I understand. But uh, my dad said a couple, some of the most valuable things to me in his last days. He said, you know what? I'd give it all away. My dad was a wealthy man he He was forty eight years old. He owned like blocks of of the streets. He bought every house on one side of the street, tore them all down so he could put his salvage yard business on it um he His driving force was money. He had pole barns full of antique cars and all this stuff, just stuff. But he said in that moment, I would give everything, everything, everything he worked his whole life for to have his health back. Because in the end, none of that meant anything. Anything. So the Lord took him home. Took him home. And you got to remember, at this stage in my life, I am full blown partying, doing drugs, I mean, hard drugs, smoking, rock cocaine, all kinds of crazy stuff. People look at me now and they think, I I couldn't imagine you doing that. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine me doing it either, (laughs) but I did but I did so I had a burning bush moment I had a burning bush moment I was in my house one night and you might think I'm crazy at the time I thought I was crazy too partying with a bunch of people and literally it's a, hey it sounded like an audible voice to me God it's like the ceiling ripped open and God said You know this is not what I have intended for your life. And it put this fear in me. Put this fear in me. that started the process of changing the course of my life. Because through all that, all that stuff I just told you, inside me was this governing force that was saying, there's something else out there. There's something else. There... There's something else. What you're doing isn't the answer. I would sit in the car with my friends and we'd be driving down the road and we would be all messed up. And I'd be in the back seat in my mind having this battle like, this ain't fun at all. Why am I even doing this? I know that there's a greater purpose for my life than what I'm doing right now. And I feel like in that moment, in that, that day when, when I had that burning bush moment, God was saying... I'm gonna change the course of your life I'm gonna change the course of your life so that little Pentecostal church that they took my dad to there was this pastor there and he is actually still the pastor there right now Um, he was the pastor's son back then we had a we had a moment because my addictions became my marriage's addictions. Understand? I drug all this stuff into my marriage. So, we went to see this pastor. Well, I gotta tell this part of it. Getting ahead of myself. We were both addicted, me and my wife. I've met this beautiful young lady. And I polluted her life too. Okay? So, we ended up at this in this office with this pastor and he told us the story about Romans in the book of Romans 9. Uh, what is it? 10, verse 9 and 10. I think I had it up there. But uh, he talked about For with the heart one believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth you confessed. A confession is made unto salvation. He told us the salvation message, all right? And in my mind, because I'm, I, I was carnal, I'm trying to reason this out in my mind. Like, I'm going to pray this prayer. You're telling me right now, if I pray a prayer to this God, Jesus character, (laughs) just being honest, that my life is going to change. That don't even make sense. That sounds mystic or something, you know. But I was blinded. I was blinded. So we went to this little church. and This is a little Pentecostal church now. They get pretty crazy up in there. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. You don't know until you experience it. They were crazy about Jesus, we'll say, okay. So we end up going to this little Pentecostal church. In this little Pentecostal church, uh, they sung this song, and it was Just as I Am. Just as I Am. You know, because I was thinking, man, I got to do this for God to love me. I got to do this for God to accept me. I got to do this, you know, because that's just the way I was wired. But my wife stood up and she went down that aisle and I stood up and I went down that aisle. She went to the left and I went to the right. I just kneeled down. I didn't have no rehearsed prayer. I didn't know, I didn't know a scripture. I thought Job was job. (laughs) I kneeled down there and I, with everything in me. Because I had nothing, I had nothing to offer him. Not nothing. He didn't, What could I offer him? I just asked him if you are who you are, then I'm going to surrender my life today to you. This is 30 years ago, and still to today, when I tell that story to anybody, it brings me to tears because I know that that moment and my Savior changed my life. Changed my life. And the best part is you would think that it was all good from then on, right? (laughs) But it wasn't. It was, but it wasn't. So, didn't take long for me to circle back around, we'll say. Because, see, that's a misconception that people get. And that's where the enemy gets you. Because we're sold this gospel that says, and it is true that all things become new. I'm not denying that at all. But I had a lot of brokenness in me that needed to be dealt with. And until I dealt with it, I wasn't going to be healed. Okay? He gave me all the tools that night when I kneeled at that altar. But it was my responsibility to open that toolbox and to use them, right? So, I still hung around with the same friends, the same crowd, the same everything. I was going to get them all saved, all right? (laughs) Didn't take long before they influenced me to fall right back in, because see, I was trying to operate on my own strength. I wasn't relying on him. I know, my time is getting near, ain't it? I got five (laughs) minutes, I gotta wrap this up. I thought, man, I ain't gonna have enough to say. (laughs) I'm only halfway through. So, I had to realize that the enemy was crafty, all right? So I, I would fall into the same pothole, it seemed like, over and over. So I, I, I think about it like this. It's like when a sports team loses a game, what do they do? Go, they go back and watch the tapes, right? And they say, man, where did we make a sta- mistake? Where did we go wrong? What could we have did different? So I would rewind my life back to where I got off track. And I realized that if I didn't do this, I wouldn't do that, which led to this, which led me right back to where I came from. So I had to create some absolutes in my life, all right? I absolutely can't drink alcohol. I I haven't drank alcohol in 30 years and will not drink alcohol. Because this is how I picture, I, I picture it, it's just like this. If I take one step, it's a free fall. Because I've given the enemy legal ground in my life if I open the door. Why would I open a door that Jesus closed and think that I could function? I could function. I could function in that in grace. Because that's saying grace has no value, right? I only walk in freedom because of the grace that was extended to me. So let me, I'm going to jump way forward now. Because this, this is important. I came to this church through fasting. I was fasting with a friend. A friend was going to an encounter. At the last minute... He asked me to come to the encounter, but if I would not have been fasting, I don't believe I would make that decision because I was caught up in religion. I served my church. I I worked for God like I worked for my father because that was my example. So I served the church. I served the church. I did everything at the church. I, I even thought the church couldn't function without me. So. I fasted with a friend and, and the, the opportunity came to come to, I didn't even know what Living Stones was. I think God tricked me into coming here. <laughs> so I, I said this to say this. I met Bishop. He was a father. He was a spiritual father. He was everything that I was looking for because I watched him. I seen how he functioned with his family. You know, because growing up, that's what I looked at. I looked at other go- kids' fathers and said, man, I wish I had a dad like that. I wish my dad would take me there or my dad would throw a baseball with me. But this man, got in my grill will say, he didn't sugarcoat anything he's ever said to me. He just gave me the facts and gave it to me hard. And I needed that. I needed, didn't need anybody to pat me on the back. I needed somebody to tell me the truth, you know what I mean? My marriage was destroyed. I'd been a Christian for 16 years and my marriage was still a wreck. My household was a wreck. I would come to church just fighting with my family. I'd hit that parking lot. It would just be like I got saved all over again. My face, I put a smile on my face. I'd come in church and just play the part. I believed I was saved and and I, I know I was saved, but I never dealt with any of that stuff. So when I came here and he got in my grill, he told me how to walk like a man. He taught me. He didn't do it for me. He gave me the answers. No, I said that wrong. He didn't give me the answers. He taught me where to find the answers. This is how he said. I would ask him questions. He would look at me and he would say, I can't give you that. I can't answer that question. Because that answer can't come from me. It has to come from God. Because he was teaching me how to walk this out. So I'm going to end with this. I'm going to close with this. There's so much more I could say. I could literally turn this into a series. (laughs) (laughs) Men's encounters. Ask me why I'm passionate about men's encounters. That's why I'm passionate about men's encounters. A men's encounter gave me an opportunity to look at the reality of my life. And the reality was, I was still broken. I still had areas in my life that I had not dealt with that needed to be dealt with. I needed to close some doors that I had opened. And I needed, to, I needed other men to help me to find out how to do that. So as Aaron said, I'm responsible for the men's encounter. <clears throat> wow. They, they let a drug addict do that. You believe that? <laughs> but I have a great team. We, I don't do it by myself. But one other thing. I know I'm two minutes over, so. Marriage ministry. <laughs> you know what qualified me to be a marriage minister? I had the most screwed up marriage. But I don't now, do I, honey? <laughs> but Bishop also taught me how to be a man. He called me up. He looked, I remember he looked me in the eye one time. I was in a, in a little event, and I was bawling like a baby because they were talking about being a man. And inside, I know I, I didn't look at myself that way. And he stood in front of me. He said, stand up. And I hesitated. He said, I said, stand up. And he looked me in the eye and he said, you got what it takes. You got what it takes. So when the Lord took him home, I knew that my father had prepared me to answer the call that I had on my life. There was not a doubt, it wasn't even a second thought in my mind when it was pick up that mantle and carry it. (laughs) Living Stones is a bunch of pieces of that mantle. I don't carry Bishop's whole mantle. There's so many people in here, his, his children, Pastor Ron, his grandchildren, other men that he's affected their lives. They carry the mantle of Bishop, which is the mantle of God, is the mantle of being a father, a loving father. So yes, I am passionate about men's ministry because men, you are the problem But you are the solution. (laughs) You are the heads of your households. But your wife's not going to follow a man that don't know where he's going. So, in closing, I'm going to say just take your post. Rise up. Don't, don't believe the lies that swirl around in your head that you don't got what it takes. You got what it takes. If you got Jesus, you got what it takes. But the key is, do you got Jesus? Because you got to get up every day, pick up your cross, chase after this relationship. Humble yourself. Ask for forgiveness. Take the time to invest in your family and your children. That's your call. That's your first call. Because if you're not doing that, you're not doing nothing. And I'm not trying to shame anybody into anything. I'm just saying, we can do this. Man, if we would just ride, man, we could change the nation. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So with that, I'm going to close. Um, I'm going to invite anybody who need, wants prayer to come up. We'll have a team up here to pray for you. Uh, thank you for listening to my story. I'm excited to um, share more if you, uh, you're a man in here and you need to get signed up for that men's encounter because yeah. yeah. men have bad behaviors. They wait till the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I, 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 w- I would appreciate the sooner you sign up, the better. It's worth the investment. Yes. Yes. It's worth the investment. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I'm going to pray. So Lord, we just thank you. I just thank you. Uh, for today. It's a new day. Thank you for this opportunity to get up here and glorify you with my life. So, Lord, I just uh, raise up all these men before you, Lord, and I ask you, Lord, to, to visit them afresh. Lord, reignite their passion for you and their passion for their families and Lord, and the the calls that are on their life. So, Lord, I just thank you again. And we just want to bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.